right, everybody, welcome in to another edition of the Canes Inside Podcast, brought to you by Canes, where we've been gone the last couple weeks. D-Money, glad to have you back on the show tonight. Nah, man, it's a pleasure to be back. Um, as you know, people dealing with some with some family stuff. Um, my niece passed away. It's been a you know nightmare for the family for the last two weeks, but really um, just moved by the support of of the community, including the Canes Insight community. I posted the fundraiser for St. Jude's on the website. It's here. The link is in this YouTube link. It's also on the website. Raised almost four hundred thousand dollars. Maybe one of the listeners to this podcast can put us up over four hundred thousand for St. Jude's. Uh, so it's just been it's just been really awesome to see uh, in a tough time. And don't want to do anything else more than than talk Canes. You know, it's the off season. It's it's the quiet period. But with the transfer portal, nothing is quiet. It's constantly talent acquisition season. Miami's definitely been working that hard, continuing to work it. You're always checking, you know, that transfer portal thread on Kane's Inside, refreshing it constantly to see who's the name coming in. Um, always could be a new name to get you excited. And uh, Miami's got some big fish in the boat, which I'm excited to break down with you, Pete. There's, there's been two big topics, you know, since we've, since we've been on, uh, on the show that have come up. One of them being, obviously, the recruitment of Cormani McClain. I believe the last show we did, uh, it was the signing day show. We were talking about kind of his, his, you know, the the saga, which it's it's turned into now at this point. Um, and then Josh Gaddis, he's still the offensive coordinator as of as of tonight. Um, but if you could just kind of hit on those two topics, get you know, what are you hearing from from the inside, so to speak, on on those two? Yeah, I mean, just real quick, Gaddis. I've been saying for months he's gone. In my opinion, my educated opinion, based on what I'm, I've been told, uh, that could happen any moment now. It might be happening by the time I listen to this podcast. Uh, but Gaddis, I expect him gone. Uh, nothing has. We changed already saw some on movement that. on the offensive, you know, side of the ball this week. Right with with Ponce going back to Appalachian State. Um, you know, like I said, I expect Gaddis gone. I would not lose sleep over a Canes fan. So just be ready to be excited once you once you hear that news. Um, Cormani. The message I get from people is, look, I don't know. You know, that's really when you talk to people that would know, they say, I don't know. And I don't think they're being coy. I think they just at this point, they don't know what this guy's thinking. Uh, They don't necessarily take his word at face value because they didn't know this Colorado stuff was going down. There's a loss of trust there. Um, But at the same time, you know, they they take him. um, And who knows what he's going to do. He's so unpredictable. So I think, look, they'll, they'll see what happens in February. Um, they have some corners. They're still uh, looking at corners to potentially add in the portal at Devontae Brown, obviously. Um, so, you know, it's a position that they're actively working aside from Cromani, but they'll take him. But at this point, you know, they're, they're, they're just as clueless as, as we all are as to what he right. might do. And then the other, you know, big piece of news that, that hit yesterday, Jake Garcia enters the, the transfer portal. Um, your thoughts on that decision, you know, obviously he had some opportunities here at Miami, you know, probably, probably has a, a good opportunity elsewhere. Um, but, but what do you kind of see, uh, see for Jake and again, just his decision overall? Yeah. With Jake, um, I think he's just old man. You know, he's entering his third year now of college. So he's basically a, he'd be a junior just in terms of school. Uh, and he was old to begin with. I think he was one of those kids that was held back in high school or just 
didn't go forward as fast. So he's old. He needs to play. He needs to be getting starter reps, whether it's G5, uh, lower power five, wherever. He's used to be in a spread system, throwing the ball and getting reps passing. Um, I think he has upside still. I, I like his release. I like his feel. I like his accuracy. You didn't see that in Gaddis' system. Um, well, it wasn't his fault that he committed to, uh, you know, as and you said, it, a spread is definitely more his more his fit. Yeah, and he just needs to play. And, you know, I think Jakari um, showed maybe because of his running a, a, a more of a, a higher ceiling and, and maybe even a higher floor for that particular offense because at the end of the day, you're going to have his running. Um, and mm-hmm. then he had those physical tools. So I think that the fact that he was going ahead of Jake at times last year made an impact. And then just the fact that TVD's coming back, uh, I think Jake says, look, I need to start. I need to move. And uh, – you know, tough for the Canes from a depth standpoint. I think they like what they saw from Jakari. Jakari, somebody who, according to somebody on the inside, improved from spring to fall more than any player on the roster by far. So if they can get a similar leap from him in an offense that is more suited to his skill sets, suited to everybody's skill sets, just a more functional offense, um, I think you could see a lot from Jakari. Well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop you there, though. You know, are we going to see you, – you just mentioned it if if Gaddis is in fact gone, then what sort of, because obviously we know the style that Cristobal has, has kind of played through his, through his, you know, head coaching career, but what, what would you foresee the offense looking like schematically? Yeah. I think you're going to see something that is going to be more, it's not going to be Brett Lashley's offense. I don't think that pace is going to be something that will necessarily be repeated that exact extreme pace. Um, but it's going to look more like that than, than what we saw last year with Gaddis. I think it's going to go in that direction. Um, but Morrow's a strange guy with this uh, coordinators. He doesn't give a lot of clues as to what he's thinking. Um, but I guarantee you, he saw TCU in the championship. He saw Tennessee and the way Tennessee turned it around. Uh, he's, you know, he's not stupid with that. He sees what's happening. And I think you will see a movement in that direction. How far we'll see, it'll depend on the person, but I think, I don't think you're going to see Gaddis here next year. I don't think you're going to see Gaddis' offense here next year. Um, been saying that for months. We'll see what happens. I think this is the week you'll probably see some movement in, in the next couple of days or so. So another transfer portal loss, D, Ja'Kai Clark started a ton of games at Miami. It was an expected move after Matt Lee comes over from UCF. Um, but your reaction to, to Ja'Kai Clark entering the portal? Yeah, Ja'Kai Clark, a guy that's been starting since his freshman year back in 2019, started at guard, which was out of position for him. Uh, so four-year starter, guy never complained, played hurt, um, gave a lot to the program, graduated. So, you know, with Ja'Kai, you really appreciate what he brought. Obviously, Miami bringing in Matt Lee from UCF. He was brought in to start. Um, you could say he should stay and compete, Ja'Kai, but at the end of the day, the writing's on the wall. I think the best thing for him, he graduated – Go to a team that needs a center, go in and start uh, and continue his college career. Uh, can't be mad at Ja'Kai Clark. Uh, you know, salute him for his contributions. And I think um, both sides um, will be happy uh, if he lands in a in a nice spot. Yeah, that's the tough thing about that position. You can only you're only playing one of them, and neither of them really have that versatility to play to play guards. So um also of note, Gilbert Frierson finds a home uh, at Louisville. So uh, pretty good spot for him. I think we'll see how he does over there. And, uh, 
you know, he'll get some opportunities next year, solid program. So we'll see what happens with him. But looking at some of the guys that end up coming into Miami, obviously everyone's excited about the recruiting class and there will be some impact guys from there. But the transfer portal is where you expect to get, you know, if not starters, very, very important pieces of your depth and rotation, right? So looking at the group that Miami brought in, there's still some time for, you know, a guy or two to still uh, make their way down. But we expect this to be the core group of, of portal guys. Um, we'll kind of go. Well, let me, let me cut you off there because, you know, just comparing it to last year, Miami added, if you look at Miami last year in spring, it was clear that defensive line was the biggest weakness of the team ended up being the biggest strength in of the team in the season. And that's because after spring, you had Daryl Jackson, Akeem Mesidor, Mitchell Lagude, who all basically were starters or starter reps. So it's not done, but Miami's further along, in my view, than last year as far as what they have in the boat. Six transfers so far. Four of them are four-star transfers, according to 247. Uh, Branson Dean from Purdue, who we'll talk about, hasn't been ranked as a transfer, but he's most likely going to be a four-star as well. So there's about five four-star transfers. And then Thomas Gore from Georgia State, who is just on that border of a high three, four. Another productive player. I, you know, I don't know what his NFL aspects look like right now. He's not your your prototypical uh, interior lineman, um, but should be a solid piece on that line for sure. Yeah, and to, for comparison, last year, the only four-star transfer that Miami landed, according to 247, was Mesador, which was after spring. So Miami's much further ahead as far as blue-chip, highly-pursued transfers at this stage. They're going to compete in spring, um, but they can still add more. Obviously, receiver is going to be the hot topic. That's where they need to add somebody or two uh, individuals at that position, and then a big-body defensive tackle. But a lot of the work has been done. And it's been quality additions we will talk about. So we'll just go down go down the list. Matt Lee, who's you know the most recent uh, addition, coming over from UCF. Uh, and we're, everyone's excited about him having a highly graded season on PFF and all that. Um, but what what did you see or what have you seen um, in in your 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 time watching him? Yeah. So Matt Lee, uh, first so I popped in the tape, watched. Uh, the Cincinnati game, um, Tulane, and uh, and a couple others. Um, and really what jumps out to me with Matt Lee is, first of all, his size. Now, I don't know how much of it is because he's in, at the G5 level, but he listed at 6'4", uh, you know, 6'3". I think he looks about that, barrel-chested kind of guy. Definitely a bigger body type than a Ja'Kai Clark. And then you watch him in the games, and he's a people mover. You know, I was kind of expecting a, a, a since his G five, I was expecting a lighter, maybe an undersized, athletic type of guy. But that's not him. He's he is big and he can move people. Yep. Yeah, and he's he's a he's a knee bender and got a strong anchor. A lot of centers you see get knocked back because you know they're snapping the ball, they're a second behind, and they're usually not the strongest guys uh, on your line. This is a guy who. He's able to anchor down, bend his knees, and really hold guys up and not give up an inch. And then when he is, you know, on double teams or when he's just, you know, drive blocking, this guy can move people back. So the physicality, um, the the ability to anchor down in pass protection, the awareness in pass protection, he knows who to block. He's he's smart when it comes to stunts and twists and all those things. So he's somebody that I think is going to improve the physicality of the offensive line right away. The awareness, that's why he graded so high. I know PFF grades 
subject to debate, but you don't grade that high PFF if you're not a, a highly aware player uh, who who's making correct decisions at that center position. He is that obviously experienced and has a chip on his shoulder because he wants to show that he can compete at this level. Um, the weakness I would say with 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 Lee athletically, he's not super dynamic. It's not like a a, a Kelsey type from the Eagles where he's just flying to the second level or pulling and and, and showing off his athletic ability. He's more of a physical center. But I think with this line, which is being built to be physical with the other pieces, like, a you know, let's say Jalen Rivers, Inez Cooper, uh, Javion Cohen, who we'll talk about at guard, then Samson, Zion, uh, Francis Malgoa tackle. Those are big dudes. So I think a guy like this who's a, a big center and who plays big is going to fit that personality of, a, of an offensive line that can push people, which Miami has not done in almost a decade as far as pushing people up front. This guy gives you the ability to do that at the center position. Branson Dean out of Purdue, uh, another defensive tackle. Uh, what what did you see in him and what you've watched? And what what does the staff believe they're getting in him? They like him a lot. And I think he's someone that's underrated by the fan base because the fan base was waiting for a wide receiver commit, waiting for news on gadgets, or potentially waiting for a Daryl Jackson replacement, that big defensive tackle. It was kind of like a news dump at the time. Right. And you're getting, you say, okay, well, look, he's a, a three technique under 300 pounds, an athletic guy. We have guys like that with Leonard Taylor, uh, Jared Harrison Hunt, Thomas Gore, whatever. But this guy is a very, very good player, not just a filler. This was a Big Ten honorable mention uh, player two years in a row. A lot of people at Purdue thought he should have been higher than that and had been an all Big Ten type of player. Um, Purdue had a very good season, played in the Big Ten championship game. And watching him, the thing you look at it with him is he's playing offensive lines that are much better than right. what he's seeing in the ACC. You watch his highlights. He's beating Iowa's guards one-on-one, getting to the quarterback, bringing him down. The The games I watched in full were Michigan and Penn State. Again, much bigger, better offensive lines than he's seeing in the, in the ACC mm-hmm. by far. And this is what he's seeing week in, week out. And he's making plays, tackles for loss, hurries, sacks. Uh, he's a twitchy athletic player. He knows how to move. He can use his hands. He kind of reminds me of Mesador, different position, but just the ability to consistently disrupt by using his hands, um, by bending, using his body, and and then the relentless motor. Uh, this guy is going to bring energy to that position. He is not someone who takes plays off. He's going to push everybody in that room. And then just from a production standpoint, he's been one of the most productive interior pass rushers in the country. Uh Last two years, over 60 pressures. That puts him in rare company uh, with guys um, like number 88 from uh, from from Georgia, J- Jalen Carter, Carter yep. uh, Kalia Kansi. He's in that category as far as rush, uh, hurries over the past two years from that defensive tackle position. Just for right. perspective from a, Miami fans, he had 34 pressures last year. Leonard Taylor had 25. So a guy – I thought Leonard Taylor had a good year, but yeah. this guy had – almost 10 more pressures against much, much better offensive lines in the Big Ten. So bring him in. He's going to be a productive player right away. And most importantly, the the, the maturity, the age, the mentality. Um, he's someone I think is underrated just because of he wasn't exactly what we were looking for when we got him. But now you bring mm-hmm. him in. He's a very good player. And I can see him having an impact s- similar to Mesador in that he's just going to be relentless to the quarterback. And you're going to see right. him making plays uh, in the passing game. Next guy up is Francisco Malagoa. You know, he brings some nice uh, athleticism to the position. I think when we when we talked about him the first time, you referenced a pick six that he had against Oregon, I want to say. Um, 
so I look the linebacker position. It's been much maligned, right? You have you have a a nice young piece in Wesley Besanth, but what do you see Malgoa bringing to this team? They obviously expect him to be a starter, if you know, coming coming over with that much experience. Yeah, rock solid player, a four star transfer according to two four seven, a quarterback in in high school. So he's someone who's still adjusting to linebacker. And I think watching him, his instincts are maybe a tick slower than the elite. And that could be something that's improving with time as he gets more reps at the linebacker position. Again, this guy was a, a quarterback. You saw some of those instincts when he got that pick six against Oregon, 90 plus yards. He he knows what to do with the ball in his hands. The instincts I think are catching up, but he's someone who plays very, very hard, big body kid. He's going to improve the size of the linebacker room immediately. Um, you're watching him. He's, he's pretty decent in coverage for his size. He can rush the passer and, and he said he, he is a physical striker at the, at, at the position. When he hits you, he's not going to wrestle you down. He's going to knock you back. You see that right away when you watch him, you know, at some, when I was watching at first, he, he played next to this guy, number one. And I, and I said, you know, this number one guy is just as good as him. Maybe he's not that good, but number one is going to get drafted in the mid rounds of the NFL draft. Uh-huh. So, you know, he's he kept up right with them. They're both making plays. Um, and I think he's someone that certainly is going to uh, be a physical improvement over Corey Flagg and should slide right into that starting lineup with Wesley Bassaint. And I think the hope with him, at least my hope with him, is that the instincts and the quickness of, 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 of reaction will improve the more reps he gets at the linebacker position because he's still somewhat young at that spot. So... Next up, another interior defense alignment, which we've already talked about him a bit, Thomas Gore. You know, you lose Daryl Jackson. You got you to gotta reload a bit. And they've done just that with, with Branson Dean and Thomas Gore. Yeah, well, you haven't replaced Daryl Jackson as far as that. Different, different players. But in terms of bringing more guys who can, who can be important rotational pieces, I mean, that, that's, that's what they've done with both of these guys. You need bodies on the D-line. No, no question about it. And I think with Thomas Gore, he's one of those guys where you don't want to necessarily play in the whole game because he's going to wear down at that size. But in limited doses, he is a terror. He's built like a fire hydrant, super wide, um, great balance. Uh, he, he has pop. And if you watch the UNC that's the, game. That's the word I've heard. Is, yeah, is UNC pop. offered him um, Yeah, because he – you watch that game, especially in the first half. He was USC really- wanted him wanted him pretty badly, from what I understand. Because they, yeah, because they saw him, and he was beating Corey Gaynor like a drum. I mean, he was killing Corey Gaynor consistently in that game. And it's people you hear Canes fans say, "Oh, Corey Gaynor." Well, Corey Gaynor started in the ACC championship game for the t- the spot we're trying to get. He was a starting center, so you know. And he's coming back. So you'll probably see him again with our biggest competitor in the ACC. Um, so if you can dominate him, mm-hmm. that's going to help Miami Hurricanes in the ACC. And I think watch that tape. You see it with him. I think as the game went on, it, it, less is more with Gore, again, because of the size. But with this team, you have Leonard Taylor. You have Dean. You have Harrison Hunt. You don't necessarily need Gore the whole game. But in doses – pass rushing downs and just kind of being that that bullpen guy that fastball out of the pen uh, I think he can bring a lot of energy and he if you watch his, his Georgia State tape one thing I noticed he was lining up nose to nose like when he was going against Gainer I mean he was nose to nose with Gainer he was not 
playing over guards. He was not a three technique. And one of the reasons he came to Miami was to be that three technique and really be unleashed with his athleticism. So there might be another level to his game that we haven't seen just because of role. So that's going to be interesting to watch as well. And we'll see him in spring right away. Definitely. The net, the last two guys here that, that we're going to discuss, and we, I think we've talked about both of these guys when they committed, but Devontae Brown, Miami really, really wanted UCF uh, hard this offseason to take two of their best guys. But Brown at the corner spot, he's a guy who, I, you know, I've, I've heard some good things from, from the, the NFL scouts on him before this year. I had people telling me he was the best corner prospect in the state of florida which obviously we you know we see tyreek stevenson he's going to be going to this the senior bowl he has a chance to be you know a top 50 top 100 pick in in this thing um so to so to say that brown had you know was the best corner prospect in the state before the season says a lot um i think he had a bit of a disappointing year and the the biggest thing that he's going to need to do is continue to put weight on you know the, the strength and conditioning program in Miami is going to have to go a long way for him. Um, but being more physical, um, both in the run game and, and just in coverage, but his coverage skills and his speed with his length, it's a dangerous combination. Yeah, and I think you mentioned that the speed and length is really the thing with him. There is some lower body stiffness, uh, I feel, but that's that's at 6'2". That's not unusual. He's a straight line guy, and he's really looking to bounce back. 2021, he was considered one of the best cornerbacks uh, in the Southeast, according to PFF. Took a step back last year, so he has a lot to prove uh, if he wants to go play at the NFL, and I think this is a perfect opportunity for him given the depth chart. Uh, so excited to see what he brings. We'd like to see some, some physicality from him. Just really go for it uh, as an older player. Uh, and you'd like to see an improvement over Ivy. Ivy did some good things. Obviously, didn't had some not, not so good moments. Uh, I think Brown's going to give you an improvement in the speed category if you're comparing those two. I think Brown's faster than Ivy uh, at a similar size. If you're just doing that trick comparison, at least he plays faster. So, well, and Brown has some versatility where you know he can be a boundary corner, but uh, that the, the NFL people really like his ability to cover in the slot, which is such a you know, to have a guy at his length who they believe can cover the slot guys is a, is a huge weapon as well. Yeah, no. And uh, we'll see what that position ends up at as far as who else comes in. If they bring in another transfer corner and another high school corner with Cormani. Um, but they have young guys there. Chris Graves is someone who, who I think really needs to step up and is, is someone they're looking to step up this spring and in the offseason. So it's going to be an interesting position to watch. But having a veteran like Brown who, you know, in a perfect world, maybe he does move inside. Now you have a lot of size in the defensive backfield with a guy like Graves sliding on the outside. Um, a lot of options there. But they needed someone at that position. And he brings you proven production but also upside. There's still some meat on the bone there given what he can do and he's shown in flashes. So Javion Cohen, arguably the biggest get for Miami in the portal D coming over from Bama. Yeah, it's a Bama guy, but this is a guy who was an entrenched starter over there at the, the biggest position where Miami really needs to make a change at. If, if we want to see them get where they want to get to um, in the next, in the next year or two. Right. So what is Miami getting uh, in him in, in terms of bringing a starter from Bama 
what do you think that's going to do for the O-line? I can tell you this is a guy who, from what I've heard, is on the NFL, ra- NFL radar already. Like I've said uh, before on the show, they're not really scouting these guys unless they know they're they're coming out to school. So it's not like there's in-depth reports on him. Um, but he passes the eye test. Um, he has the athleticism. He has the size, which you can't say that about every lineman that has come to, out of Miami the last you know few years. Some of them uh, don't have either, right? So you're getting a guy who's a total package in that respect. Um, but coming over from the consistently one of the top two or three O-lines in the country, that mentality, how do you think that's going to impact this team moving forward? Huge. And he's seen it all. You know, when I I put in the tape on him, you know, teams like LSU this year, Georgia last year, guys like Jordan Davis, he's seen the best of the best. And he's been in the biggest moments. That's really since he was a young player, I believe he was a freshman, all uh, SEC. So he got in quick and he's been playing. Um, the IQ stands out to me. First, the body type, obviously, you know, 6'4", 300 plus. He looks like a Bama offensive lineman. Uh, right. He can bend. He's he's coordinated. But what jumps out to me is he knows what he's doing out there. Again, stunts, twists, like Alex uh, – sorry, like Matt Lee. When it comes to the stunts and the twists, he knows what he's doing. He can pick them up. Um, technically sound, a uh, knee bender. Probably better in pass protection than in, in run blocking, my view, with him. Um, but he's somebody that – has seen it and is going to step right in with NFL aspirations. And when you look at the guard position for Miami, if you go back to even 2014, when Nick Linder had to step in at guard and start a couple games, we've had a problem putting centers and center body types at guard. Huge problem last year. You had, uh, whether it was Justice Oluwasuin or, you know, the lone scape starting games at guard when I thought he was really a center. Kai Clark, you mentioned it earlier in the show. Kai Clark is a true freshman, right? Um, Logan uh, Sagapovala, the, the, the guy they brought in from Oregon last year, six, two, six, one, you you can't win big with these six, one, six, two guys starting at guard Lawrence, big baby Seymour. Um, That just can't happen. So now you look at Miami going forward this year, you have obviously JB on Cohen lined up to start. Uh, then you have Jalen Rivers and Inez Cooper, who are both huge athletic guys who have flashed real ability, you know, big time ability. Uh, so that guard position now is looking a lot stronger. You can always move a guy like Malgo or Samson over there as well. So you got enough body types there. That you can say, all right, we don't have to start a little guy, a little guy right. guard this year. That's going to make a huge difference, I think, on the way the team looks. You also have Frankie Tinelau and Tommy Kinsler on the up. Uh, in terms of potentially playing a little bit of guard. So you don't have to worry about these little guards anymore, these little centers who are playing guard at Miami. It's going to make a huge difference to have real big-bodied centers, obviously right. starting with – or big-bodied guards, excuse me, starting with JV on Cohen, uh, sort of being the leader of that group as someone who's played, seen it all, and knows what he's doing out there. bunch of guys from that group, I mean, pretty much all of them, I think, will be um, a huge part of the team and – you know, they were they seemed to be pretty aggressive uh, in the portal early, which we, we expected them to be and probably will be another wave at some point after after spring after spring ball. Yeah, like I said before, Miami landed probably its best portal players after the spring. Um, you don't need to add a ton for Miami. It's more about quality. And one thing about portal recruiting, I, you know, I was talking to my to some of my people down there at Miami and they're they're saying, look, 
it is not high school recruiting where you can map everything out and say, these are the guys we want. This is what we're going to do and have a whole plan. A lot of this is it comes as it goes. They can't force people to go in the portal. They don't know what's, what is going to come in the portal. They have to be somewhat reactive um, because that's just the nature of the game. Then they got to evaluate those guys when they come in, not just the football player, but the academics, why they went in the portal, disciplinary issues, et cetera. So it's a, it's, you can't just say this is what we're going to do. Um, I think what they've done is they've plugged a lot of needs, added a high quality players. Again, probably five, at least four blue chip transfers, according to two, four, seven, probably more like five. Once Branson Dean gets, gets reevaluated or very close to that level. So they brought in a lot of quality talent, um, plugged in immediate needs. Now, wide receiver, obviously still working on Gary Bryant. Uh, my understanding is he had a great visit here and let's see where that goes. He sees the opportunity. That's a very real possibility. They're in the roster over what? There's like 40, it's going to be about 40, 40 new guys on the team. Yeah. Uh, that's what, that's where it'll, where it'll ultimately land. Um, I think just in terms of coming in, in spring, you're talking about, 20, uh, you know, 24 uh, new guys. <laughs> coming in so, so that's gonna, really that's gonna be a huge infusion absolutely and guys with body types guys with the right attitude guys are gonna change the look of the team the, the team you saw in spring last year that was playing a lot of walk-ons particularly on that defensive line um that's not gonna be what you see here in this right. spring you're not gonna see exactly what you see in fall it shouldn't be that you know there's gonna be guys sitting with injury you still have guys that are gonna be added in portal and also uh later summer arrivals but you're going to see a much better team this spring than you saw last spring that I can promise you as far as the roster quality. All right. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk Canes hoops on another uh, nice run here to start the season and getting into the, the thick of ACC play coming up. So we'll talk that. Just because football season is over doesn't mean Canes where season is done. It is just getting started. Canes hoops is rolling. The best team in town. Get your Canes Hoops gears, jerseys, shirts. You know, support the best team uh, in Miami fandom right now. Or you can support the best franchise in Miami fandom, Miami Heat. You know they're going to make a run, make a move at the deadline. Miami Heat gear available at Canes where uh, Florida Panthers, they're rolling. You can get that. And just because it's the offseason doesn't mean you can't load up on Miami Hurricanes gear, Dolphins gear. Caneswear, caneswear.com, or at the shop in Davie, you can get the best in South Florida sports. Load up now. Hey, Christmas passed, whatever. They didn't get you what you want. Get it for yourself at Caneswear. It is always football season and season for everything else at Caneswear. Also, playoff season is rolling. Underdog Fantasy will give you $200 to play with. Just enter promo code CIS or use the underdog link on the Canes Insight Forum and $200 right away to get started. Playoffs, you can pick over-unders, how players are going to perform. Is Josh Allen going to ball out this week? Is he going to struggle again? How many turnovers is he going to have? You can lay that all down uh, at Underdog Fantasy. You can do daily fantasy drafts uh, through the playoffs. Basketball, that's rolling. You can do that every single day. Hockey, MMA. There are all kinds of ways to have fun and to play fantasy sports with something on the line at Underdog Fantasy. Promo code CIS, $200, right to you. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Here to talk some Canes hoops on a, on a great 
start to the year, you know, getting into the the really good part of the season now, ACC basketball. It's a bit of a down year in the ACC, but um, we'll take it, right? We'll, we'll, we'll try to go out and, and see if the Canes can win the ACC again as they did in 2013, 15-3 on the year. Uh, have Duke coming up this Saturday, coming off a big win against Syracuse D. Um, but, man, this is a fun team to watch. It's not – they don't have your traditional big man, right? North Shadow Mir uh, is is holding down the five spot. And obviously, he plays much bigger than his 6'7". His presence on the floor is – it's almost Zion William-esque at Duke, right? Obviously, Zion was, uh, you know, a, a, a bit of a bigger body than him and was more dynamic uh, offensively. He can do, do more with the ball in his hands. Um, but I get that sense – uh, when he's on the floor and defensively, he, he's not going to be uh, the biggest guy on the floor. There's always going to be someone on the other team pretty much bigger than him. Um, but, man, he he brings a nice presence out there. Um, and then you look at the balance offensively. you got four guys who are averaging double digits right now. You know what Isaiah Wong does. He's playing like a, like an ACC player of the year candidate. We'll see, you know, if, if they can go on a run – and finish the year out strong. I think he's going to be, you know, squarely in the mix for that. But definitely a first team All ACC type season he's having. Jordan Miller, just an awesome all around uh, player. He does he can finish around the rim with both hands. Obviously, he's a lefty, but great passer, great in transition. Can hit the mid range shot. Solid defender, right? Which this team is playing good team defense, but the lack of a, a rim protector, so to speak. Um, is hurting them at times. So, I mean, like I said, it's been a fun team to watch. Great win, comeback win against Syracuse. Uh, but what have been your biggest takeaways? Yeah, you know, you mentioned O'Meary made that comparison. He reminds me a little bit of, of Bam uh, out of Bay on the Heat. Now, obviously, he's three inches shorter, but just the, the quickness, the overall athletic ability, the, you know, he can guard little guys. He's strong. Um, he can do a Great. lot. I, I will, listen, I – I'm I'm ready to turn him into a tight end. Yeah, so, you took the you took my you took my line. I was about to say that. I, yeah, I didn't even know you were gonna say that, but but I'm just I'm telling you, Norshad, if you're if you're listening, if if things don't go your way in basketball, then I'm I'm ready for you, man. We got some good tight end. We got David and Joko already, man. I think you'd be a special one. No, FRM's got to get all over that guy. I mean, no jokes. I mean, look, it's a football centered podcast. They don't want to be the football guy, but. I went to the Virginia game as far as in person. That's the only game I've attended in person. And when you see guys in person, you know, I saw Jimmy Graham as, as did you, he is more athletic in my opinion than Jimmy Graham. Speed is very similar. They're both fast. Jimmy Graham was always fast. This guy's more coordinated to me and, and hands wise, he goes up and gets it probably better than Graham. Yeah. And body wise, I mean, almost identical. Yeah. So man, but, but no, the presence he brings, you saw how they finished the game against Syracuse uh, where, you know, he didn't need to do it, but he still <laughs> went in and they're up four and he, he blocked the shot at the rim, which, you know, really should have just let him uh, score the layup, but he wasn't going to have let them, uh, you know, get those last two points. But uh, Nigel Pack coming along now too. Obviously he was, he was a big uh, addition in the transfer portal in the off season. His shooting is, is he's starting to heat up now had a big game against Syracuse. And I think if, if, if you look at the team, that's probably the biggest knock right now is consistent outside shooting. Um, but 
they're able to, to score in transition. They can get to the hoop at will because they're spreading you out, right? Pretty much to have four, four out, uh, you know, most possessions. Um, and then you're getting contributions, not just from those guys that we just talked about, but Wuga Poplar has, has taken his game uh, to, to another level. Uh, Harlan Beverly now coming along, obviously didn't play last year, had that back injury, had a slow start to the season. You're talking about a deep team now. I mean, some of these the some of these teams that have gone on runs in the past at Miami it have been six, seven man teams. You're getting to the point with this team where you could you can really trust eight to nine guys uh, to play a very important role. Yeah, and that fifth starter or that fifth finisher, let me say, has changed. Whether it's it's Joseph or or it's Poplar or lately it's been a Beverly, you know you don't know who that fifth guy is going to be to finish the games. And- Joseph is another one that I didn't even bring up that he's been defensively been been awesome. Um, is is a really takes care of the basketball, um, and his shot has improved. He's another one whose shooting has improved uh, big time. So it's a deep team. If you go back and you look at. Larinaga's best Miami team, obviously the 2013 team, that was a big team. You had multiple centers or center bodies uh, between Kaji, Reggie Johnson. You had big guys. And then don't forget Julian Gamble. Julian Gamble as well. And then a point guard in Larkin. I think this team is much more like Larinaga's final four team with George Mason, where you had a lot of guys around the same size, physical, athletic, good at defense, but you didn't have a true center. You just had a a lot of six, 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 five, six, eight kind of guys, and they work together as a unit to beat bigger teams. I think that's what you're seeing with this team. You know, I was at like uh, the Virginia game I mentioned. I was at the physic. They match Virginia's physicality step to step. Now, obviously, a game like Syracuse, you see the the big guy go off, and you wonder what's going to happen. But I think over the long run, I'd rather have a team that is united and playing team defense with quickness and athleticism and strength and length, even if they're not seven foot, but they're connected and and, and playing together. I'm, I'm excited what, what these guys can do on the defensive end. I think they're physical enough to make up for the lack of size in the long run. And you compare it to last year, you lose a little bit of three-point shooting with Charlie Moore and with Wardenberg, but the guys you're replacing them with, particularly O'Meara replacing Wardenberg, you're getting more physical and more athletic. Um, right. I think that's going to sh- shine through uh, as these games go on. Obviously, have Duke on Saturday, um, coming off a big win against Syracuse. Had the you know tough loss in overtime. Jordan Miller uh, had a, had the game tying three on Saturday against NC State, but they couldn't pull that one out. Um, but have a chance to do what it seems like they do every year, right? Go in to Cameron Indoor and knock Duke off. It it just seems that. Uh, you know, I, I would say Coach L has Coach K's number. Obviously, Coach K is not the coach anymore, but Coach Coach L does does seem to like uh the the road games there there at Duke. So, um, big opportunity. Which look, they're ranked 17 now, right? But it always seems like they don't get the national attention until they beat Duke, right? So, if that happens, I would expect them. Uh, you know, to be back up in that top 12, uh, top 10, potentially pushing for it, you know, even though they had the loss last weekend. But um, it's always nice to get some some national buzz, you know, with the basketball program 
on campus. So if they can do that, go on a nice little run, Florida State after that, they're down this year. But again, uh, Leonard Hamilton always always seems to to have Miami's number as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens here over the rest of January. And then obviously the, the fun stretch of the year, February through April there. So should be it should be fun watching these canes continue to grow coming off that 18 that elite eight excuse me uh season last year coachell retooling brent brought in some new pieces but really relying on on you know a lot of the core guys between wong jordan miller anthony walker coming back from last year uh to still be a, a big part of this team so we'll see what happens for the canes moving forward but Yep, it was a it was nice to have you back today, D. Um, talking all things Canes football and now Canes hoops, which we'll we'll continue to do moving forward. Feel good, feels good to be back, and there's no more off season with this portal, uh, so we'll keep it rolling uh, right until spring practice. It'll be here before we know it, and we'll be we'll be talking about pads hitting again. So uh, excited, man! Go Canes! That's it.